This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. I am so pumped to welcome back a legend to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Two years ago, and I can't believe it's been two years, Dr. Garland Vance joined the show to discuss burnout with me. Now, that episode on burnout went on to become the number one most downloaded show in our show's four-and-a-half-year history. I'm going to say it again. This is the undisputed heavyweight champ of the sales leadership podcast coming back in <laughs> for the sequel. Okay. Garland is an expert in leadership. He earned a doctorate in leadership. Then he spent over 20 years developing intentional high achieving leaders. And he's done it all around the world, all kinds of disciplines, big companies, small companies, everything in between. Uh, he is an expert that I'm excited to bring back. Now, if you haven't read his book, fix that. Go get Getting Unbusy and read it. It's fantastic. I have my clients get it all the time. I make his work part of what I do. I will tell you that conversation I had with Garland two years ago changed many things in my life for the better. I point to that conversation years ago as an important inflection point in my life. Garland is a fantastic resource in your personal leadership career. And I would encourage you to take advantage of that. But I'll also say this, he's an even better human. This is a fantastic person that I am so glad to bring back to our show. Garland's got some new leadership insights that he's developed over the last couple of years. I'm really excited to bring him with you today. I, I can't tell you how fired I, up I am for the sequel. Uh, this is going to be a sequel where the sequel was better than the OG, okay? I'm <laughs> excited to bring back one of our greatest guests in show history. I cannot wait to get go going. Garland, I love your energy. I love that you're laughing already. Welcome back to the Sales Leadership Podcast. And thanks for man, joining. Man, man, Rob, after that introduction, I can't wait to hear from me. Like, I'm excited uh, about this. This is awesome. It is awesome, man. I'm telling you. 
uh, last year, I thought we were just going to talk about burnout, but you gave me some formulas and some frameworks that were game changer. Like I still tell everybody, most people, you told me this on the show last time, most people don't know how to recharge. And we use the metaphor of a mobile phone that if you don't intentionally plug it in when you sleep, it wakes up just as dead as when you went to sleep. And you gave me the four things. And, and when I've told, and I've worked on this with my leaders that I coach, I call it now the recharging formula by Garland Vance. And I point them to you every time. And I ask them, how do you recharge? And they are like, I've never thought of that. And when I ask them things like you asked me, when you mocked me in front of all my guests, kindly, of course, what brings you joy? And I didn't know. Uh, I found most people don't know. So I can't wait to go around too, because we're going to talk about things that I think will change leaders' lives again. So thanks, Garland. Man, my pleasure. Let's get going. I'm excited. Well, I, I, I want you to just take two minutes or one minute, even whatever. We have a lot more guests than we had two years ago. Like we pushed 50,000 downloads a month. Why don't you take just a, a couple of minutes and introduce yourself to this large audience that you have listening to you? Yeah, I don't know if I can do a better introduction uh, than you did, um, but uh, but I'll do my best here. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go. So so, um, so I ha had the privilege of spending 15 years with a little chicken restaurant called Chick Fil A uh, on their nonprofit let's side. Let's go. Yeah, so I did I did leadership development specifically on their their nonprofit side, and uh, did that for 15 years. Had the ability to create a four year leadership development program in conjunction with my my wife and our staff uh, who we were able to hire. And, and um, it's a pretty amazing thing. In 2016, I went on and um, finished up my doctorate in leadership development. That's where I studied busyness and its effects on leaders and uh, actually went to work right after that uh, at a church uh, as a leadership development pastor, church of about 9,000, and um, just really caught the bug while I was there of working with business leaders to help them become better leaders, to lead intentionally and to live intentionally. Because here's the reality. Mm. Every leader will either be a hero or a villain to every person that they lead. And wow. too few leaders intentionally position themselves so that they can make their employees' lives better, so that they can make their vendors' lives, customers' lives better. Uh, and so I want you to be a hero to the people that you lead. What a great way of looking at it. You're going to be a hero or a villain to every single person that you lead. Before we dive into what we're going to talk about, would you mind giving a little more depth on that, that you will be a hero or a villain? Because I think we got enough people on, on this call and, and sales has its own sense of challenges that come along with it. Any thoughts around this hero slash villain persona thing that, again, I didn't know we were going to talk about it, but it got my attention. I'd love to go maybe one level deeper on that. Sure. So I, if you, you know, every person who's listening to this, just take a minute and think back about the specific bosses who you have had in your life, or maybe, uh, maybe they were pastors, or maybe they were a leader in, in you know, some uh, community involvement or a coach that you had, but just think back to those people, name them, and then ask yourself the question, when you walked away from their leadership, was your life better as a result of being around them, or was your life worse? as a result? Did they do damage to you? And I can literally, I've done this with hundreds of people in the past, and they will go through and they'll talk about 
you know, the first boss they ever had or the little league coach that they had. And they'll talk about the heroes that they were and the way that they shaped them. And then they'll get to one of those bosses, right? Or, or one of those, uh, you know, uh, leaders that uh, was in a nonprofit who, who helped them. And, and you can see the damage that that leader caused and the wake of destruction that that leader caused um, in a person's life. And they're just, there are no neutral leaders. You're either going to do incredible good in people's lives, or you're going to do some pretty serious damage uh, in their lives. And a lot of it comes down to a leader who says, I want to be a better leader for the people who I lead. Those are the leaders who end up being heroes to most of the people. Yeah, that's the, we just, I always am on high alert for what the title of our episode is going to be when we talk and you just gave it to me. Okay. There are no no neutral leaders. What a great way. Like if all you get from the show today is put that lens in front of yourself. What am I? If there's no neutral, I'm either positive or I'm negative. And I would imagine that if leaders would be willing to look through that lens, we would get better almost instantly. Is is that fair? Exactly. Almost instantly, because you begin to think in terms of what are the things that I could do to make other people's lives better? And we take the focus off of ourselves as leaders and onto the people we're leading, onto the customers who we're, we're helping, onto the vendors we're interacting with, onto the shareholders that we're, we're in charge of guiding their company. We immediately take the focus off of ourselves and it makes us a better leader. I love it. Okay, let's... Uh... Let's let's roll, man. We are going to make sure that there's no neutral leaders. We know that, but we're going to make sure every single one of these 50,000 people listening today becomes better because of what we talk about. So I can't wait. Um, this is awesome. So I, I want to go back to one of the things you and I have talked about before. I, I went back and listened to our episode from last time as preparation for this because I liked it so much and it <laughs> does so much good for me. I, I, I have this belief that matches yours exactly. You have been outspoken that there is a leadership crisis. I have been speaking, keynoting on the sales leadership crisis and what to do Mm. about it. Now, you look at it from a holistic, I've been talking about sales leadership crisis. Your observations are that it's a worldwide leadership crisis, not just unique to sales leaders. And uh, I'm really interested in why you believe that. And if we could, I think that's a really great place to start. Sure. Sure. So, so first let's, let me define, what do I mean by a leadership crisis? And then let's just look at some stats. Okay. I'm not a very big stats person, but I know enough of them to know uh, how to understand it. Okay. So, so what do we mean by a leadership crisis? What I'm talking about is that in our world today, we don't have enough leaders and we don't have enough good leaders. Right, So we have a shortage on the quantity and the quality of leaders in our companies and in our communities. And, and here's just some, some stats, right? Uh, so, so first, 71% of employees don't feel that their current leaders are able to carry their organization into the future. Wow. So, right. That's so huge. Now, Huge. So nearly seven out of 10 or over seven out of 10 people who are showing up every day, they're reporting to a leader and they don't think that leader has the ability to to carry them into the future. Um, 78% of employees don't believe that their 
leaders have a clear direction for the future. So they can't carry it. They don't even have a clear direction for 78%, you said? 78%. Yep. Wow. I'm I'm jotting notes down. Sorry. Yeah. This is, this is fire. They're crazy. It's, it's crazy stats. So uh, let me give you three more stats that just, that wake me up and get me passionate in the morning. So, uh, 84% of organizations expect a leadership shortfall in the next five years. Wow. 84% of them say we're we're not going to have enough leaders. 83%. So just, just underneath that say that it's important to develop leaders at every level, right? So, so they say we don't, we expect to lose leaders. We believe that it's good to develop leaders at all levels, but only 5% of organizations, 5% have a strategy and plan for developing leaders at every level. Wow. Okay. So you got my attention. I can see yes. why there's a crisis. Yeah. So, so we're at a crisis. And then, and then let me just add one other part to this. And, and I don't have research behind this. I just have more of this, this sense is the more I'm on LinkedIn, the more I watch television, the, the more I talk to people who are in business and in, in the community, here's what I'm noticing, is that there's a, a distrust and even a dislike of leaders and people who are in positional leadership. There's this sense that they're only out, you know, uh, they're only in it for themselves. They don't really care about other people. And I've met hundreds of leaders who would show you that that's not true. And yet it's this kind of ethos that we have in our culture right now that we just don't trust leaders. And so those who we need to step up might not step up because they don't want to put themselves in a position of being disliked and distrusted. So insightful, man. Those are incredible stats, and that's an incredible like opening that I hope got ever because that's that's universal leadership in general. They'll for sure apply to sales leaders. Might even be more pronounced because of the things like sales and commissions that are involved in things. Sure. And yeah, I, and so I, dude, I love this Garland. That's the idea that some people don't step up because they don't want to go into that role of not liked, not trusted, not equipped. Um, yeah. You know, I know a lot of places like Google sales, this is the sales leadership podcast. So it's fair for me to say it. We invest heavily millions in sales training, sales process, sales tools Then we get these leaders and we promote them, we put them in spot and we have no sales leadership process, maybe some generic leadership training, but nothing specific to sales leadership training. We don't have the tools. We don't have any of those things. We just ask them to figure stuff out. And, um, and so I, I love where you are. That's one of the reasons I think that there's a sales leadership uh, uh, crisis. I didn't have the data that you had. I'd love to get some of those sources and maybe link to those in our show, show notes so people yeah. can really uh, grab grab hold of that. So so now you've told me why you think there's a, a, a crisis, okay? Uh, and that's why worldwide. I don't think that's anything anybody can argue with. So I guess the obvious next place we want to go is so what's a leader to do, right? I mean, yeah. what do you do about it? Like, since there is no neutral leader, you are either going to have 
potentially massive destruction or potentially massive catalyst for for greatness what do you do like i don't care if you're a leader or maybe an emerging leader what do you do to help yourself become better yeah and and so this is the the key question i think right this kind of lays the foundation for everything is what can a person do to become a better leader and the answers that i'm going to give you i think are a little strange right because a lot of times you would hear oh go to a conference or hire a coach which are great things to do um but i want to share with you three ways that you can improve your leadership um that don't involve you going and getting a coach going and hiring somebody going and reading fifty-eight thousand books right so so three ways that you can do it the first <laughs> i miss you garland i love you <laughs> it's good to have you back dude <laughs> thanks man all right here's the first thing that you can do is define what a leader is define hmm. for yourself or if if you're leading a company define what a leader is for your company okay now i'll tell you why this is important because the word leader is so overused that it's become almost nonsensical. Will a lot of times in, in workshops that my wife and I lead will say, hey, everyone, write down, and we use this, we'll say, write down what is a sales leader? What is a sales leader? And almost inevitably, we get three totally different answers. One what person, you know, so one group will say, oh, a sales leader is a person who is in charge of a team of salespeople. Okay, that's one definition. Second definition we'll get is a sales leader is the person who is the best salesperson in an organization. So they are the leader of sales. Or then the third definition that we'll get a lot of times is a sales leader is a subject matter expert in sales who teaches other people how to do better sales. Okay. Right. So just by the term sales leader, what we can figure out from that is we're not dealing with the same definition of leadership. And if, if a company is trying to develop more leaders and better leaders, and they can't even agree on what a leader is, they can't possibly find a leader. Right. So that's the first thing you've got okay. to define what leadership is. Now, a lot of times, uh, by the way, Rob, a lot of times people at this point will go, oh, leadership is influence. That's great. Great definition. John Maxwell. John Maxwell. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. He coined it. That's great. But let's be really honest. Hitler was a very influential person. And Mother Teresa was a very influential person. But you might not want either of them to be the leader at your company. Right. And so we've got to get a little bit more technical than just saying, hey, what's, you know, leadership is, is influence because that's great for the masses, but that's not great for you. That's not great in your company. So we've okay. got to define leadership. All right. Second thing that we need to do is we begin to define uh, and describe the characteristics of a leader that require continual growth. Right. So, so think of these in, in terms of three to 10 traits that you say, I need to grow in these areas over the course of my life. Uh, you know, again, there's, there's millions of leadership resources. 
that are out there. But just when you begin to narrow it down to a few, it makes leadership much less daunting. And so I'll, I'll give you some examples of that later on if you, if you want to talk through that. Yeah, I got all kinds of questions. I got to get through these three, but we're going to probably rewind back to number one still too. <laughs> good. We awesome. may not get to the rest of the stuff we wanted to talk about, man. This is good. Man, awesome. Okay, so here's a th the, the third way that, that a person can grow as a leader is create conversations with other leaders, okay? So, so often you hear leaders talk about how it's lonely at the top or leadership is isolating. And, and I hate that. I honestly hate it. I hate it because leadership is only isolating if we expect it to be and if we accept that it is. Instead, we want to create conversations with other leaders and say, hey, what are the challenges that you've faced in the past? Or what are the successes that you're having? What are the best practices that are driving you? And just beginning to get in conversations with other leaders helps you become a better leader. Love it. Love it, love it. So those are the three things. Define what a leader is for your company. Describe the characteristics of leaders and areas that you got to have continual growth. And then create conversations with other leaders. Did I get those right? Yep. You got them right. All right. Um, we're going to rewind. Can we okay. sit in this for a minute? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, know, I knew we were going to run out of time, man. I knew we were going <laughs> to run out of time. But I, I want to dive into this a little bit. Can you give me, because you talked about like, like, when you said, hey, you know, Maxwell said leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And you said, you got to do better than that. Count me as a Maxwell liker, lover. Yeah. I, I have a lot of his books and I've, I've quoted that. I have a, a slide in some of my presentations where I say, hey, today when we're going to be talking about leadership, we're going to be talking about two things. We're going to be talking about how, we, how you create influence and then how you prioritize things. I have to talk about leadership. It's about priorities and it's about influence. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm really interested we got a lot of people that probably were like, wow, I've heard that influence thing. I want to help them know how to do better. So can you give me some examples? Cause you're right. Hitler did have a lot of influence and mother Teresa did have a lot of influence and both of them got people to willingly. That's what I always say. Influences is getting people to willingly follow and willingly change. You can say if it was for good or for evil and, or for good yeah. or for bad, and that's a different conversation altogether, but still they fill the definition of influence. You're right. I haven't yeah. thought about it that way. Can you talk about like, how does a company define successfully what it means to be a leader? Because we got sales leaders here, but they also fit inside of teams of other leaders, Part yeah. of like, there's three areas of leadership that salespeople have to worry about. They have to lead up. They got to lead up the people that they lead. They got to partner up. Okay. They got to work with those colleagues that they have and be leaders to them as well. Yeah. They also got to manage up. They got to manage up. That's a whole nother part of being a leader is managing up. Yep. I see you smiling. And so people that will get the video, they'll be, they'll, they'll see this. That I can see you're ready to go. So <laughs> can, can you help our leaders that are listening? Like, what does it mean yeah. to come up? Like, it's a really great idea. Um, how do you do it? Yeah. So, so let's talk, maybe the, the best way to get started here is just, let me give you my definition of a leader. And I'm not confident okay. that this is the greatest definition, uh, but it's my favorite definition I've ever come up with. Um, okay. So a leader, uh, I, I see a leader as having really three 
ways that they influence, so to speak. Okay. First, a leader is someone who sees a clear, preferred, and desired future. Okay. That's the first thing that they they see a clear, preferred, and desired future. Okay. Yep. Okay. So let me tell you what what I mean by clear, preferred, and, and desired, real, real quickly. Clear, uh, if if the vision isn't clear to the to the leader, it's going to be totally unclear to uh, everybody else, right? So it's got to be crystal clear in the mind of a leader where they're going, right? What is the future that we're trying to create? But that future has to be preferred. It has to be better than the current reality. It has to have people who hear about that future and they go, I want to be a part of that, right? Think about Martin Luther King Jr. And it's such a clear future, such a preferred future. People began to say, I want to be a part of that world that he sees, right? But then it also has to be desired. And when I say desired, I mean, people have to want it so badly that they're willing to sacrifice the present for that future. They're willing to give up the status quo for the future, right? We've all heard people who come up with a great idea and and we listen to it and we go, oh, wouldn't that be nice if we did that one day, right? Wouldn't it be nice if one day we all had personal computers, but it was only Bill Gates, right? And only Steve Jobs who were like, wait a second, we are gonna get people who desire it so badly that they're willing to give up the comfort today for that future. So the reason I love this, and maybe you know this, and maybe you don't, the number one competitor to a salesperson or a sales team or a sales leader is not a competitor. The number one competitor is no decision, is status quo. So mm-hmm. salespeople have to get good at helping buyers, you know, overcome complacency and choose the future over status quo. And that's what you're saying. Leaders need to do that with people. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to, so that's the first way that leaders have to lead. Or the first part of, of my definition of leaders is they've got to see a clear, preferred, and desired future. Okay. Second, they've got to gather other people around that preferred future. Okay. If, if you have this beautiful vision, but nobody else gets on board with it, you're not going to lead anybody. Right. So you've got to gather other people. And you've got to gather them not around your personality or how awesome you are, but it's gathering people around the future that you want to create. And then that leads to the third part. You mobilize others to create that future together. Like you actually, you see the vision, you get people bought into the vision, but you're actually getting people to move to create that. They, you are mobilizing them to create the future together. It reminds me of a quote that you probably have heard of. I'm going to butcher it. And so to our listeners, I'll get DMs telling me who it is. <laughs> Tell me who said it. I want it. Tell me I get it right. Cause I'm going to get it wrong. It doesn't matter if you're on the right track. Okay. If you're on the right track, but not moving, you're still going to mm. get run over. Okay. Mm. Even if you're on the right track, if you're not moving, you will get run over. Something like that. Yeah. And that's what that's you're saying. Good. You got you got to mobilize people. They got to be willing to move. Yep. They got to be willing to move and 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 move to create that future together. Right. And and this is where um, 
the, the reason that I, for me personally, that I love this definition of, of leadership is it's about vision, but it's also about alignment and it's about execution. You're creating a future together. You're not just influencing people to like you. And I, and I love John Maxwell stuff. Don't get me wrong. I love John Maxwell stuff. But I think for most companies, we need more than, hey, who are the influential people? And we need to really get down to who sees a clear future, who's able to get other people into that future, and who's able to mobilize people to create that future together. Love it. All right. So I like that definition of a, of a leader. Um, those are pretty tangible. Those are things you can get around. You can create operating systems and rhythms around those things. And I don't think we even want to spend our time on that, though we could. I'm sure that's part of what you do is you help people develop systems around those. Sure. Uh, uh, but I want to keep moving on this. Like leaders define what a leader is. And, uh, and, and you just showed us how you define it. So I love that. Um how do we how do we take that definition and we create an environment like I maybe you call it a culture maybe you call it an environment I don't care what the word is sometimes these words become buzzwords and one of the things I like about you is you debuzz buzzify them or whatever okay <laughs> yeah. um, and we That's need an to awesome awesome debuzzify I'm gonna use that man <laughs> we have to man like when COVID hit everybody started talking about empathy and all of a sudden it didn't mean anything to anybody you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and so culture, I feel gets used a lot and I'll be interested to get your take on it. And I, I, I often talk about environment and I think culture is part of environment. And so I, I really be interested. So if you have that definition of what a leader is, and we have that clear and we have systems around that, what do leaders do to create this? Here's what I call it. You got to create an environment where any motivated team member can thrive, not survive, sure. thrive. Sure. And I, I always put the caveat, they got to be motivated because we do call it work and not play. Um, and so we need people that are choosing to be part of it. And any thoughts around creation of yeah. that healthy culture or healthy yeah. environment or whatever non-buzzword you're going to bring? Let's yeah. let's bring it, baby. Absolutely. So, uh, so you know, we said that you've got to describe some characteristics or traits that are that are true of a leader. For me, one of those traits uh, we've identified seven, and we we think there are seven that solve ninety five percent of leadership challenges. And one of those seven is culture. And okay. and all we mean by culture is culture is the embodied values of a group. It's the embodied values of a group. What do we mean by that? Well, let me compare two restaurants real quickly. One of those, I'm not going to name the name of them, uh, but they, uh, they are a worldwide brand. And they say that their number one core value is customer service. Okay. But every time I go to this restaurant, every time I go through the drive-thru, it's a fast food restaurant, every time I go through... I'm not greeted with this amazing customer service experience. I'm greeted mm. with, hey, what do you have? That'll be $10. Our ice cream machine is broken, right? That's what I'm greeted with. Yeah. Now, contrast that with a Chick-fil-A, who also says that their number one core value is serving others. Okay. And when I go through the drive-through there, I'm greeted with, how are you doing today? Uh, my pleasure. Um, you know, above and beyond service. And so what we say we value. Okay. I got to call time out. I'm sorry, brother. I'm, I'm like, 
people, unless you're watching the video part, you won't know. I just called time out on the camera for him. <laughs> I have noticed that about Chick-fil-A, that every time I go through a Chick-fil-A, by the way, I like how you will name the positive, but you're not going to name the negative. <laughs> I, I respect that about you. I see you working, Garland. Um, I've noticed that, that every time I go, it's it's a very enthusiastic, it's a very positive. So I have to ask, are you part of the architect of that? Did you help architect that? No, no, I didn't. I wish I did. Okay. I wish I could could take credit for that. I would say you that told I me learned how long a you lot worked, from yeah. it. Yeah, I learned you told a lot me how from long? it. Yeah. Four and, years and, there. And, and, yeah, and I was on the, and again, I was on the nonprofit side. So okay. I was helping on, I wasn't helping in the business side of things. Um, then, but, forgive me for pushing pause. Keep going. No, this is like Wayne's good. world. I said, game off. Now I'm saying game on. We're back in the street. <laughs> take game on. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so we have these two organizations and they both claim to value service, but one of them embodies that service in the language that they use, in the habits, in their processes. The other one doesn't embody that at all, which tells you that they don't really value it, right? Tells you what they value is convenience or fast service or warm bodies, you know, like like just get just get the work done for the least amount of money possible. And so in creating a culture, here's what we've got to do. We've got to identify one, what are the values that we want uh, our company to represent? What are the values that we want our company to represent? And then we, we then have to ask the question, what are the behaviors that will create that type of an environment? Uh, what are the, what are the uh, again, by behaviors, what are we talking about? We're talking about habits. Uh, we're talking about attitudes, uh, processes, and the resource allocation. All right, those are the behaviors that are going to either uh, confirm that you value what you say you value, or they're going to show that you don't uh, value those things. That's how leaders create a really great culture. Pick the values, align behaviors to those values, and then don't tolerate anything that rubs against those behaviors that you've identified. Zero tolerance. I love that distinction. You got to have zero. You got to root it out instantly. You can't let it persist at all, right? No, you can't. You can't. And what I've heard, I, I can't remember. I, I really need to remember who wrote this quote and I can't at the moment, but your culture is the worst behavior that you tolerate. You remind me of Tim Kite. He's told me things like that before. And uh, yeah, you're right. It is your culture is the worst thing that you will tolerate. That's I, I love, I love that. Um, here's one of the things I, I I like as a performance coach. I learned a long time ago that no human being will change behaviors for long periods of time unless they first change a belief. If you don't change a belief first, you can't expect behaviors to change for long periods of time unless you change a belief first. Yeah. The reason I like what you just said is no cultural or environmental behavior will change for long periods of times unless there's a value that changes first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and guess who changes those values? Leaders, right? That's who has to change the values. That's who says we're headed in the wrong direction. We need new values and we need new behaviors that em embody those values and 
if we don't have leaders, then the way that I say it is unintentional cultures always become bad cultures. Ooh. Unintentional cultures always become bad cultures. Sometimes they become toxic cultures that allow bullying and dishonoring of people and, and, and dehumanizing behavior. But even if they don't become toxic, they always become bad if they're not intentional. This is awesome. Okay, so we, we've talked about culture. We've talked about environment. Um, anything else that you would suggest they do? I love that. Those are things you set the values. You align the behaviors, you align the yeah. resources, zero tolerance. That's a pretty simple checklist. Did we miss anything? Or is there anything you'd add, add to that? No. I mean, no, that's, uh, that's, that's what I would absolutely say. As far as creating the culture that you want to create, zero tolerance. And I will say this about leaders is you also have to, when you make decisions that are in line with those values, talk about them and talk about them openly. Um, I was reading, so so one of my favorite leaders right now is Jesse Cole, the uh, owner of the Savannah Bananas baseball team. Uh, and I love him because he is just changing this age-old game of baseball in ways that are creating huge raving fans. One of his hats behind you, by the way, I hope. It's uh, it's not behind me, but I do own a Savannah okay. Bananas hat. Let's I go. definitely, All it was right. one of the first ones I collected. Um, but here's what I here's one of the things I love about him. He was uh, recently offered uh, they they have a I think a 500,000 person wait list to get to a game. Right. What? That's crazy. I mean, what? Crazy. Yes. Ridiculous. Hold they on. have this 500,000 wait, wait list to go to a single game to go to a game. Yep. Which is why they've, they're, they're not just doing, uh, you know, they're not only playing at their home in Savannah. They've done this, they've started this world tour um, where they're going all over the place, kind of like, he, he probably wouldn't appreciate this, but Harlem Globetrotters type of, you know, travel ball where it's going everywhere. And, and, and it's an amazing show. But he was recently offered a million dollars a group said, we will pay you a million dollars if we can have a certain set of seats at each game. And he said, no, he turned them down because their core value is fans first. They want to create a great experience for the fans and it would violate their principle of fans first if they sold to a group and and jumped that waiting list of 500,000 people. To me, uh, and, and I, I'm so glad he turned around and told people about it. And I'm so wow. glad that he did because that's what leaders have to do. You have to say, here's the values, here's the behaviors, and here are the challenges that are getting in the way uh, or that could you know, overcome those values. And here's what we did to make sure that we stay true to our values to create the culture we wanna create. What a great, like, I think our next episode is going to be about uh, deconstructing the, what is it, Savannah Banana? Is that what it is? Havana? The Savannah Bananas, Savannah yeah. Banana, yeah, we may have to talk about that. All right, so you said that there's a bunch of, there's seven, I think, things, yeah. and culture was just one, and you gave us a good 10 minutes on on one of them. We got roughly 10 minutes. Is it worth, like, speed dialing through the other oh, six? Oh, you know it, man. You okay. know it's I mean, worth. Can, yeah. can we do it? Can we do it and, and do it justice? Absolutely. All right, let's go. Okay. So these are the, the 
traits or the characteristics that solve 95% of leadership challenges. And the idea here is this was part of the number two, what can, what can leaders do to develop their leadership, right? They can yeah. identify traits or characteristics that they need to develop. Uh, we found that there are seven that uh, solve 95% of leadership challenges if you continually develop these, okay? So the first is character. Leaders have to develop their character. They have to do the hard thing, make the hard choices. They have to take responsibility for their team's behaviors and outcomes, even if they didn't actually make them happen, right? So the first is, is character. Okay. Second, second trait is competence. Leaders need to develop the skills that their team needs them to have. And this is where leaders make a big mistake a lot of times is they don't think in terms of how do I develop my skills for the good of my team, for the good of my organization. We think about what we're naturally good at, not necessarily what we need to be good at and growing those. So what's an example of what the team needs them to have? Can you, I want to make yeah. that really clear to everyone because that, like I could have sat in character, but like I only have 10 minutes. We've already done culture. I can't wait to see that. I'm guessing they're all C's now that I have yep, three. They are, they are. Okay. You got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I remember last time you gave me the four R's. Now I got the seven C's. <laughs> yep. um, um, uh, yeah, let me give you, you an example that. of this. Yeah, yeah. I'd, love to, I'd love an example here. Yeah, so I was working with a, a coaching client a few uh, years ago and um just said, hey, what does your what does your team need in the next few years? And he said, well, we've got to become really innovative. We're in an in an industry that's been kind of stagnant, and if we can innovate, then we will break out and be the best in our industry. And I said, awesome. Okay, so you need an in, you need innovation. What does that mean? You need to become right. How do you need to grow as a leader? And he said, oh well, I need to become innovative. And we started talking through that. And I said, well, if you become innovative, does that guarantee that your team will become innovative? Or will that just mean that you alone are the, the one person on the team who's innovative? And he was like, oh. And then he thought about it for a minute and he said, you know what? I need to become an enabler of innovation. An enabler of innovation. And I said, well, what would an enabler of innovation do? He said, well, an enabler of innovation would um, have a model for innovation. Like they would have a way of creating ideas and tracking ideas. Uh, an enabler of innovation would constantly be asking people on the team what ideas that they had. An enabler of innovation would talk to customers about what would make, in what innovations would make their life better and richer. Uh, an enabler of innovation would have training and development so that every person could see their ideas. So all of a sudden he changed from, I need to grow a competency of innovation to I need to grow a competency of enabling innovation. And that little bitty nuance was all the difference in the world for his organization. He needed to figure out what his team needed, not just what he needed. What a great example. Thank you. Let's, let's yeah. keep moving. Cause I, I'll sit in it. We'll run out of time, man. I, I, I love this. <laughs> what's, what's the next one? All right. So uh, the next one is capacity. Leaders have to increase their capacity. This the is a ability. big topic right now. This is so important. I just, I just yeah. interrupted you. Forgive me. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on capacity. Well, well, I'll tell you, Rob, this one's not going to be a shock to you. The number one killer of capacity is having too much to do and not enough time. Busyness is the number one killer of capacity and leaders have to learn how to 
how to get unbusy. They have to understand how to leverage the people who they work with to get the most out of them, uh, how to maximize their time. And so there, there's just this sense of uh, leaders have to increase capacity. Um, so next one that, that's yep. coming up is leaders have to create clarity. They've got to help people understand where are we going? How are we getting there? Who's doing what? And why is it even important to go that direction in the first place? Whose life is made better as a result of it? So clarity. Next up is community. What we're talking okay. about in community is trust. Leaders have to not only build trust one-on-one with the people they work with, but they need to create an environment of trust where everyone can have trusting relationships uh, together. That one's huge. Next up is culture. We won't talk about that because we spent yep, a long time talking about yep. culture. All right. And then the final one is consistency. Leaders need to be consistent. Um, if you're showing up and one day you have a great attitude and the next day you have a terrible attitude, it confuses the daylights out of people. If your vision isn't consistent, you know, one day you're saying, here's where we're going and here's what we're going to accomplish. And the next day you say, but you know, no, we have a new priority. It creates whiplash in people and they can't uh, comprehend where they are going, what's supposed to happen. It creates high levels of disengagement when leaders are inconsistent. So consistency is that final one. You, these are such incredible topics. I, I like how you've put them together in a framework and and leaders can do it. The one that we went the fastest on is one of my very favorites. I think clarity is, is a leader's best friend. Clarity clarity solves almost every problem when done correctly, I think. And so yep. I, I love this, man. Uh, what a great framework. I, I, uh, I'm I grateful that you'd show that, you'd share this with, with our leaders all around the world. We have like two or three minutes. I want to give people time to get a hold of you. Um, so let's do that first. Let's make sure you have all the time you need to have people get a hold of you. How do, how do they get your book? How do they get a hold of you? How do they follow your content? Give us that. And then I'm, I want to like wrap things up after I know sure. you've had a chance to do all of that. Yeah, absolutely. So best way to get in contact with us. Uh, so um, our website is advanced leadership, no D on the end of advanced. Uh, so my last name is Vance, advancedleadership.live. If you go to advancedleadership.live slash blog, we have a weekly newsletter that we send out yep. four, four I get minutes, it. one insight, one action every week to help leaders get better. I love it. And I'm going to tell all of our listeners, get it. I love your, I love that when it comes out. I read it every single week that you send it. So thank you. Oh, thank you, brother. Um, and you'll send us some links, I hope, and give us some links. And we'll put the links in the show notes to make it really easy for people to get your book and your website and LinkedIn or any of those places like that. All right, so you've given me a really great, uh, boy, packaged it up nice, man. Why there's a crisis. I hope that got your attention. What you can do about it to become a better leader and you know, define, describe, create. We talked about those. We got your definition of a leader, which I love. And then we got the seven things. So that's a lot of stuff there. And I'm a believer that common knowledge is, is nowhere near the same as common practice. That every one of these 50,000 people that have heard you today they're the ones that got to do the work. Like you've got these great ideas and shoot, maybe they'll reach out to you and, and, and ask for your help in doing it. You got like one or two suggestions on how they, how do you start going down this road of having what we talked about today, change the way they lead. So they become the kind of leader. Remember there's back to where we started. You're never going to be neutral. Potential for massive destruction 
or potential right. for massive catalysts of success. Is there one or two things you'd say, listen, after all the stuff we talk about, here's what I'd suggest is the starting point on your personal journey. Yeah, here, here I'd ask yourself two questions, right? Of those seven traits that I, that I sh- shared, character, competence, capacity, clarity, community, culture, consistency, of those seven, which is one? What's the one that you want to grow in right now, right? Not even need to grow in, just want to grow in right now. And then the second question that I would, would ask yourself is, if I were a great leader, how would I demonstrate this trait? If I were a great leader, how would I demonstrate this trait? And what this does is it takes us out of asking, how do I do it? To how does, how does somebody I respect do it? How does somebody I trust do it? Or how, how does my ideal self do it? Those two little questions right there can, can really spark a lot of change. If I were the leader I wanted to be and I wanted to follow, right? How would I, what would I do in this? These are fantastic. Garland, my first experience with you was a really pleasant surprise. I came into this one. I came into this one with really high expectations. And once again, you surpassed what I was hoping for. Um, to all the people that are, that are listening, I hope you, that you leave today excited to make yourself a better leader. His name is Dr. Garland Vance. Uh, he's helping leaders of all kinds all around the world understand there are no neutral leaders and help them make the choice to be that leader who creates massive success and is a catalyst for positive, highly successful, highly desirable things. Uh, and, and I love how he shared yet another framework that if you want to, you can use to help you become legendary, help you become elite in the success of your company and the lives of those you lead. And, and I would guess if we talk longer, it'll help you live your best life because you've done your best work. Yeah. Garland, thank you so much for joining us, my man. And I wish you only the best. I can't wait to, we will not wait two years before we bring you back for round three. (laughs) Well, as always, Rob, it is my pleasure to spend time with you and with your listeners. Thanks for having me on. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Listen, it's 2023, and and to achieve 2023 performance, you're going to need 2023 systems. Don't make the mistake of using systems from 2020, from 2021, or even 2022. I believe there's at least 12 systems every sales leader needs to keep current, and that's not easy. That's why having access to the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world will be so important to your success. I want you to think of Sales Leadership United as a Home Depot for sales leaders. Everything you need to take your sales leadership game up a notch and end up creating elite impact with those you lead, it's all there in Sales Leadership United. I'm talking about systems. I mean sales leadership systems, sales meeting systems, sales coaching systems, sales recruiting systems, sales forecasting systems, deal coaching systems, mindset coaching systems, proven frameworks that are ready for you to use immediately. 
You're going to get video insights from this episode with Garland and dozens of other elite sales leaders worldwide, a private podcast for members only, and weekly updates on what I'm seeing other sales leaders use and do to create elite impact with the teams they lead. People join Sales Leadership United because of the depth of these sales leadership assets, but they stay because the tools remain so current, so relevant, and so immediately applicable. So don't reinvent sales leadership and don't get stale holding onto the systems of the past. You can find Sales Leadership United on Patreon and for less than the cost of a lunch, you can invest in yourself in a way that will supercharge your sales leadership journey. Subscribing to Sales Leadership United could be the biggest no-brainer in your sales leadership career. Tap into the tools, the trainings, and techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, I can't tell you how excited I've been to get Garland back on our show. Uh, when, when he joined me last time, I was blown away at, at him as a leadership uh, coach and the insights that he had. Many of the things we talked about when we talked about burnout and particularly the recharging formula have been things that changed my life personally and that I've used to help change the lives of many, many leaders. I coach a lot of leaders and and we've implemented many of those things. I've taken so many of Garland's principles and implemented them into some of these systems that we use. And there's no question that the fact that he's the number one most downloaded guest in our show's history uh, and if this is a, the largest show for sales leaders in the world, and I believe that it is, I, I would say that that makes Garland a pretty big deal. So listen, I'm not going to recap this episode. I, I want you to go back. I want you to listen to it again and again and again. It's that good. Take notes and then make priorities around what you're going to apply. There's a lot of things you can apply. Make, make some notes, make some decisions, and then one at a time, start implementing some of these things. Um, you're going to be really glad you did. But what I really want to focus on is one simple truth. I turned it into the title. I haven't stopped thinking about it. And I've used this with literally dozens of sales leaders. Garland shared a very important, simple truth that I think is so powerful. It should be foundational for anybody who wants to be a sales leader or frankly, a leader of any kind, because I, I coach a lot of non-sales leader leaders as well. Here's what it was. There are no neutral leaders. I'm going to say it again. There are no neutral leaders. I have not stopped thinking about that. I believe every single one of us is a catalyst. Every leader is a catalyst for something positive and maybe, as Garland said, massively successful. Or they're a catalyst for something that I'll call unacceptable. And sometimes it might be as big as a massive failure or disaster. And so I've seen it many times. Think about it. Leaders, people quit because of leaders. They stay because of leaders. Uh, great leaders attract great people. Poor leaders, they attract poor people. Uh, I just don't think that, I think this is so important. I don't even think there's managers anymore. And for years, there's been this ongoing debate about the difference between managers and leaders. And after this conversation, I don't think that we should even talk about managers anymore because I don't believe in them. I believe we're all just catalysts, catalysts for something that we could be excited about or something that will be unacceptable. And the reason I call it unacceptable is it doesn't have to be bad. Status quo is a failure in my mind. Our job is to create growth. So that's why we got to figure out how to be catalysts for positive things. Now, 
every one of us, if we start to really sit in this and think about it for a while, and I have, I haven't stopped thinking about it, we're a catalyst for something positive and that amount of, call it positivity, comes in varying degrees. Sometimes it'll come in chunks and sometimes it'll come in drips, but it's important for us to keep that coming with consistency. Or we're going to be a catalyst for something unacceptable or maybe even negative, and that negativity is going to appear also in varying degrees. And so that's why I think this is a foundational belief who for anyone who's on the journey of becoming an elite leader. And if you're listening to this show, that means you don't want to be average. And if you're part of Sales Leadership United, that means you want to be elite. And so I think that this foundational belief matters a lot. And, and this belief of no neutral leaders and that we're all catalysts, it begs an important question. And that question is really simple. What are you a catalyst for? Let's say it one more time. What are you a catalyst for? And with that in mind, once you have that lens in mind, what am I a catalyst for? I'd go back and I'd listen to Garland's discussion with me again. And I would listen to it through the lens of what kind of catalyst you are, what kind of catalyst you want to become. This simple exercise of thinking about how you are going to be a catalyst will change much of what you do. How are you a catalyst for positive growth, for massive success? for change. You can help create positive impact in so many ways. You can help create positive growth in countless number of ways. This point of view is going to change your connection with the members of your team. It's going to change how you try to connect with the members of your team. This point of view will change how you coach and how you conduct one-on-ones. This point of view will change how you create observational moments and use observational data. This point of view will change what you prioritize and how you allocate time. This point of view will change your approach to your own self-development. Listen, I've had the conversation with dozens of sales leaders already, and I believe if you buy into the idea that there are no neutral leaders, you will almost immediately become more valuable and a more impactful leader. This really supports research provided by organizations like Bain, who found that 54% of salespeople would not be willing to spend even $1 of their own money if they had to pay for an hour of time with their sales leader with their own, out of their own pocket. That's a massive, really important study from a really credible source. And I had that in my mind when I was talking to Garland. And, and that's why I've really thought a lot about what he had to say. And I'm going to jump for a second to the seven characteristics uh, that Garland says every leader needs to have. Really great model, by the way. In particular, I've been thinking about the community characteristic. Because I think it's true what he said. It doesn't need to be lonely at the top. I would I would challenge you and suggest and recommend to you to find ways to connect with other sales leaders. Learn what the other sales leaders are doing. Find ways to collaborate with them. Shoot, that by itself is reason enough to hire a coach to give you perspective that you just can't get any other way so long as it's a coach that is actively coaching people that are solving problems similar to yours. Um, but I want to just encourage you the very best I possibly can to be intentional about raising your leadership game so you can be a catalyst for massive success. Because all of us, every single one of us, every single leader, we are all catalysts. And it's up to you to execute your role, to develop the skills, and to create the relationships so you can be one of those catalysts that creates legendary impact. So my advice, choose to be elite. 
Choose to be a catalyst the likes of which the members of your team have never seen. Because you can. It is 100% up to you. So Garland, my friend, thank you so much for joining me. This episode was even better than the first one, which is our heavyweight champion. Okay, This one is better. I'm so excited to have had this conversation with you. And to those of you listening, please do yourself a favor and get Garland's book. Uh, you'll love it. I, it's a fantastic read. Connect with Garland. Subscribe to his, his, his newsletter, Friday 411. I get it, and I look forward to it each week. Garland will help you become a better leader faster than you might think. And I've put several links to Garland's resources in our show notes, so I'm going to encourage you to use them. Connect with him on LinkedIn. Get on that newsletter. Find, find ways to learn what he can, he can give you. If you're listening to this show, that means the resources he has will be interesting to you, and you'll be glad that you put them to use. So Garland, thank you. Thanks for your willingness to share with sales leaders all around the world. I appreciate you, and I cannot wait to get you back on our show for round three. And be sure to check out Sales Leadership United, where you can get the video segments of the highlights of my conversation with Garland. I will have several clips that will be huge leadership resources for you. You will want to use these videos for sure. And finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The greatest compliment you can give us is to share the show with those you work with. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. And you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to Patreon and check it out. I promise you, you'll be glad you did. Thank you for your ongoing support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. I believe it's our job as sales leaders to create life-changing years for the people we lead. And if you like this message, please share it with someone that can benefit from it. Get after it this week because life is short. You got no guarantee of what comes tomorrow. Maximize what you do today. Be elite, live strong, chase your passions, and do your best work so you can live your best life. And don't ever forget, you got this and I got you. Have a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.